most people are, you know, are just never taking a moment to actually just sit and just simply be. So it's very, it's a very new concept still for a lot of people. What is happening, everyone? Welcome back to your favorite podcast, the Gordai Podcast. I'm with Justin Mahaley, and I am joined by Justin Lovato today, a master of stillness, meditation, breath work, and inside. We're going to talk about sitting with the discomfort of your emotions and how to navigate this. We're going to talk about connecting to your higher self. We're going to talk about DMT and other plant-based therapies. Justin's going to ask a powerful question, and I would love for you to share your answer with us in the comments. Who are you? So after you listen to this podcast, share with us below who you are and write it with conviction. We're talking about identifying with your pain and how to break that, how to break taking things personal, where the root of judgment comes from and what conscious consumerism is and how this can change your life starting today. This is a jam-packed episode. Make sure to leave us a five-star rating review on Spotify, on Apple, and a thumbs up on YouTube. I'll see you inside. Justin Lovato, a master of stillness, meditation, breath work, and expert in helping others find their inner peace amongst the chaos of today. So I came across Justin through a mutual friend, Sean, about five years ago or such, and I've been able to watch his journey to becoming the man he is today since then. He's the founder of Nirvana Mind Body, which is a very powerful outlet to learn the stillness skills he has mastered. And Justin, I said it to you earlier today, I want to say it to the Grower and I podcast fans, when I really started looking internal about trying to align myself spiritually and emotionally with the man that I want to be, I would say about five months ago, I'm much younger to this journey than you are. You were one of the first pages I turned to yourself. Mm. I'm not sure if you're familiar with a guy named John Romanello. He's also here in Austin. I turned Mm. to, to you guys. And as men, man, it's difficult. It's a difficult journey to embark on. And especially as a guy that came from a bodybuilding background and you came from a bodybuilding background as well. I want to start off, I want to hear kind of the, where was the genesis of your spiritual journey into becoming the the still calm, masculine man that you are today? You know, I think I was, I was kind of already in that space, even when I was in bodybuilding, I would say, you know, and, and I would say bodybuilding wasn't something that I identified with in any way. It's just something that I enjoyed doing and uh, competing was something that I enjoyed doing. What I really enjoyed um, and found more purpose in was the PT work, uh, holding space through personal training. And so, and before that, I was already holding space. I, I used to take care of mentally handicapped people from age 20 to 25 years old. So I started holding space a very long time ago, around 20 years old, and that transferred into PT work, which was very fulfilling. And I really wasn't training uh, bodybuilders or fitness competitors. I was more along along the training of people that were, um, you know, trying to get a deeper connection with themselves, their bodies, uh, for health, longevity, for their family, mm-hmm. for the love of self. So that was mostly my clientele. And, and for me, that was a really wonderful space to be in and very purposeful. Um, you know, and as I got into more stillness, more practices, more plant medicine, I was discovering deeper parts of myself and implementing things like breath work and meditation um, very organically as well. I didn't really study it or look into it. I just found myself kind of getting into breath work, getting into meditation, exploring 
through the practice itself um, as opposed to um, reading about it in books or going to uh, places to learn. And uh, my clients saw a, a powerful shift within myself and became really curious. So I was implementing breath work before my sessions, in between sets even, and after my sessions. And I started actually using that with my clients. So they would come in, we would do a form of meditation or breath work before the session. I would have them do um, mindful breathing in between sets, keep, keeping them really present throughout the entire session. And then I would do a 10-minute meditation um, after the session. And then they started coming in asking to do um, my hour-long meditations that I was talking about at the time that I created um, with them, just myself in my home. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and then they started coming through mostly for breath work and meditation. Word got around and benefit. I was now training people in breath work and meditation, not just in weights. Yeah. And I started leading events back then in, uh, in Venice and within groups. And I also got into um, the plant medicine ceremonies as well. I was already dabbling with plant medicine for quite some time, already eight years at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, just within myself and some close friends, but and I started venturing out and uh, holding space in that way as well. Justin, you talk about plant medicine. Can you elaborate a little bit more on what we're discussing there? Yeah, the two I specifically uh, hold space for is mushroom, psilocybin, and NNDMT, um, both very powerful uh, components in discovering self. So yeah, I hold space in both those ways um, here within my home. Um, I mean, we can get into like what specifically mushrooms, uh, the type of ceremonies that are usually around four to six hours, give or take. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always implement a full breath work and meditation um, before getting into the plant medicine. That way they really get into um, these daily practices that they can do each and every day outside of plant medicine. So that's something I really always focus on and introduce as well. The same thing with the NNDMT. And uh, the DMT is quite a bit shorter, uh, runs around seven to 15 minutes, depending on the song, depending on the music. Fascinating. So different scenarios and settings for uh, the plant medicines we're going to use. Psilocybin has been talked about on this podcast many, many times. I have never discussed DMT on this podcast. One of those reasons is because I'm not well educated in them. Obviously, you lead ceremonies with them. You've been using them for a long time, so you are someone who is well educated on them. There's a lot of misconceptions out there because I think you can correct me if I'm wrong. People use DMT as a fun escape, and it's not necessarily meant for that. I think people do the same with mushrooms. Yeah, It might be DMT a bit more potent, for a lack mm. of better words, in terms of the experience you're going to get. Can you chat a little bit about what that's like? Yeah, I think a lot of people get into the spiritual bypassing, I would say, um, with the medicine, with all medicines. It's definitely... Um, easy to do uh, for a lot of people to not really sit with the discomfort um, of their emotions and uh, and really process them, feel them, give them love. Um, I have seen a lot in the spiritual community. It's common, but I also think it's um, a part of the path, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Just bringing awareness to it like we are right now could be really helpful. Um, but yeah, it's, it's the intentions that are going into the medicine, maybe even understanding what the medicines are doing. I, I think both generally do the same thing. I find that mushrooms are a little bit more um, earthy. Um, you'll have more of a, um, I would say, I would say 
combination of body and, and spiritual experience, um, more connected with Mother Earth, and um, I, I feel it's a it's a bit more grounding. Mm-hmm. Where the DMT is, um, you you completely leave body, dissolve uh, into spirit world, into oneness. For me, the me personally, DMT has done really great work in regards of uh, the ability to receive information or downloads from my higher self or selves mm-hmm. and uh, has, has, has allowed me to make very quick perspective shifts and behavior shifts within my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, mushrooms I typically use to uh, feel the emotions or feelings or experiences of my human I would say, like I personally have used mushrooms to connect again with Mother Earth, with the people and places around me, uh, to process emotions in this human experience, to work through any mourning processes that I I, I used mushrooms and helped profoundly when I went through my separation. I I used the plant medicine to really sit with my emotions, to process them in a loving way, in a healthy way, giving my presence, my attention, uh, very profound in that space. And I feel like it's what kind of mushrooms do, ayahuasca does kind of let you do some deep work, whatever it is that you're personally working through, where DMT is, um, it's in that nothingness space for me, where where I, I, I get immediate downloads. Um, it's definitely just as divine or more divine in some ways, in some aspects, maybe not more, but um, it feels like more in, in a way, yeah. Okay, so I'm putting some things together here, and I would like for you to elaborate. There's connection that we have to self, there's mm-hmm. connection that we have to Mother Earth. There's connection that we have to our higher self. Mm-hmm. Um, we use the mushrooms maybe more so to connect with Earth and some to our higher self, but DMT is much more to the higher self. What uh, is, um, Would you say that's correct? Um, it it kind of depends on your definition of self. So I think it's important to understand that there's uh, that well my my idea of the understanding of what we are we are the universe the universe is everything and everyone all at once all the time through different levels of awareness it's experiencing itself mm-hmm. and so um you know i can be in the seat of consciousness or be in the seat of pure awareness holding space for my human self during a mushroom ceremony mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. do you follow Absolutely. yeah so yeah Right. Um, or I can be. Because um, you're just, still connected here. Yeah. Like you yeah. don't leave here during a well, mushroom ex- experience. Yeah. I mean, you, you definitely can if you get, I guess, uh, enough of a, of a dose mm-hmm. and you can completely dissolve the, the human, the human self, the human. Um, right. Because so you have, it's good fun trying to explain this. Yeah. So you have what I see is the different selves. So you have um, universal consciousness, and then you have the universal consciousness um, creates, manifests the one self. Then the one self uh, creates and manifests the many, the souls. And then the souls create and manifest the human. Okay. Yeah, and then the human, would I, I would imagine, creates and manifests the ego self. Uh, and so these selves as consciousness, you can, you can be partaking in, um, at all times. Uh, and, and, and as of right now, you as consciousness are here in this human self. Mm-hmm. 
experiencing this human self. And yeah, so you can dissolve this human self through deep levels of meditation and fall into the higher self, the soul self. And you can also operate from multiple selves at once. So I can, like, um, you ever seen the cartoon of the human and the devil and the angel? Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, that's kind of how I explain it to a lot of people. So most people are operating from these three selves. So the angel being the higher self, the devil being the ego self, and the human being the human. Um, And this is kind of what I explain um, in my sessions a lot of times when asking people, like, um, who are you? And um, so you as consciousness can even experience these three selves simultaneously as the observer, but you can also completely engage and, and operate from these specific selves. Uh, most people only identify as the human self. And so, and this human self is programmed and conditioned. Go ahead. They're only identifying as a human self because they haven't been able to connect to the other ones because they don't have the skills to. Is this, would you say that's correct? I would say the awareness and the skills, yeah. Yeah, more so the awareness. I think we've been programmed to only identify with the self or just lack the awareness that there's more to it. So I very um, much so agree with that. Um, We are very programmed to disassociate from things that are not here now in front of us in, um, for lack of better terminology, almost egocentric. We're all trying to constantly protect ourselves. And we all being just the humans, we're just trying to protect ourselves from, from famine. We're trying to protect ourselves from being hurt by other people. We're trying to constantly build these walls, my opinion, my observation to not be hurt. But Justin, I I had a conversation with a good friend of mine the other night talking about the only way you can experience the human life is through going through pain through having hurt, through having discomfort, through having all of these things. Cause how do you know what love is? How do you know what happiness is? How do you know what satisfies you? How do you know what makes you feel passionate, makes you feel fired up? If we don't go through the pain and Justin, you mentioned earlier, a lot of people who partake in the plant medicines, they don't want to actually face those things. The traumas for lack of better words. I'm not sure if you have a better word for them, but they don't want to actually face those things. And through my experience with psilocybin, it pulled, it taught me how to dissociate from ego and it made me feel egoless, which was very powerful for me in the time I started using it. Now it feels like meditation is very easy to get into that egoless state. Not easy. It depends on the set and what I have going on, but through journaling and meditation simultaneously will kind of allow me to get there. What is your relationship with using these practices for individuals that come to you with like a lot of built up trauma, a lot of pain, but they don't necessarily want to like face it head on? How do you help them through that? Well, it's teaching them that, um, to not identify with them, you know, like asking these really great questions, you know, or, or, you know, asking them, who are you? Or teaching them they have a mind, but they aren't the mind. They have thoughts, but they aren't their thoughts. And if you're not your thoughts, if you're not your experiences, who are you? Mm-hmm. You know, and there's some really great educators and authors like Bob Proctor and Michael Singer that kind of get into this. And they ask the simple question, like, who are you? And most people give their name, mm-hmm. right? But you would still be there if you had a different name. And then most people then list their job title or profession. 
um, but you would still be there if you had a different job title or profession. And then most people then list their experiences, but you would still be there if you had different experiences. And then most people then list what they look like, their body, but then you were still there when you were had a small body at six years old or what have you. So you're not your name, you're not your experiences, you're not your job title or title, um, and you're not your body. So then who are you? And this is the kind of fun question. And when we can start to understand this on a deeper level and fully conceptualize it, we have a much better time um, managing our experiences here in this in this space, in this human experience, whether they're easy or hard or, or traumatic. Um, you know, as if we identify solely as the human and the human thinking mind, it's going to be very hard to not take things personally. It's going to be very hard to not uh, release stored emotions that are trapped within the body. It's going to be really hard to... Um, move through difficult times because the human the human is designed to really kind of avoid those things and become anxious about the unknown and uncertainty and what's kind of neat if you can fall into the seat of consciousness and not identify as the person mm -hmm. you can then also um, teach your person you can um, have your person become more intelligent more self-aware more loving aware uh, and how to kind of see its life and its experiences and, and not identify with them and not see them as good or bad but just is and fully accept, fully allow, fully forgive, fully love this experience, fully be present. Um, the human mind tends to um, consistently get pulled in the past or the future, easily distracted. And if you identify with that mind, you will have a tough time here. So it's about really understanding that you aren't the mind and in many ways that you are pure loving awareness, having a human experience. I want everyone to like hit, you know, on the podcast thing where it says like, go back 15 seconds. I want them to hit that three times and listen to everything he just said again. It's not good or bad. Yeah. That's wow. a human construct. It is good or bad. Yeah. Good or bad is a human construct. You know, nature doesn't see things as good or bad. They just are what they are. And whenever you avoid reality or resist reality or not accept reality, that's when you will feel divisiveness within yourself you know, this human experience isn't about obtaining um, blissful happiness all day long. That's, that's definitely a part of it and it's beautiful, but you know, the human experience is about experiencing all things and, and that includes the hard things and death and loss and, you know, troubled times. And are, are we able to love those moments or do we close at those moments? Can we, can we fully open our hearts to them and love them fully and feel them deeply mm -hmm. as opposed to closing and, and, and becoming small? And, and I feel like that's the consistent um, test, so to speak, that we will always go through. And we'll have these ebbs and flows of good and or bad, quote unquote. But um, it's about keeping our hearts open during those spaces and loving them fully and feeling them fully, processing them fully as opposed to avoiding it or you know, distracting ourselves from it when they're, when it's difficult, especially not spiritually bypassing it. Because people avoid these things, um, what's labeled as bad in the construct, that would indicate that we're probably not learning from those things or growing from those things. Instead, it just happened. We're neglecting it. We can't control our emotions around it because it's like bottled up inside this little prison in yeah. our brain. Um, I but believe yeah, those are to, seeds of anxiety. Yeah, like learning how to process emotions is something that um, almost all humans were never taught. To fully sit in those emotions, honor them, give it your presence, give it your attention, give it your love, feeling all the sensations happening within the body 
and actually holding in that space, making space for that to happen. Uh, even a lot of times when we learn healthy behaviors, healthy modalities, we kind of dive into those when we feel overwhelmed, anxious, or stressed. We still don't have the awareness to to fully f- sit and feel these emotions when they do arise. Emotions are, are incredibly powerful and they're beautiful, whether they're comfortable or uncomfortable. But if you don't learn how to process your emotions, especially the more traumatic ones or difficult ones, uh, and you don't give your body an opportunity to process and release, they do store within the body. They're, they become stuck within the body. And this is why I feel a lot of people end up suffering and becoming depressed is because they have a lot of stored or stuck emotions within the body and they have yet learned how to alchemize on a daily basis or learn how to release these stuck emotions um, that they've probably been holding on to for years and years and years. So that's a big part of what I teach with the breath work and meditation is learning how to alchemize the body, release these stuck emotions that, so that you can actually remove and heal completely and forever from uh, powerful um, traumatic experiences. So, and then also it's, it's the mind also creates a lot of emotions and they can get stuck too if you're not alchemizing on a daily basis. And obviously the continued experiences that you will have in this everyday life. And so most people's brains, um, that is not them, their minds, that is not them is consistently um, running a program of like, I'm unworthy or I'm not enough based off their level of conditioning as a child. Or they're always anxious and afraid of the unknown and due to uncertainty uh, of the future. And so a lot of these mind movies that most people are living in all throughout the day are definitely creating and storing a lot of emotions and energy within the body. So it's also a lot of work on removing these programs through meditation practices, uh, becoming aware that they're programs, that they're actually not you, these thoughts of unworthiness, that it's just a program. And then also learning how to manage your anxiety. It's not about getting rid of it, but it's about managing it, understanding it's a normal thing and not getting pulled into like mind movies of worry or dread when you become anxious. It's about being able to have the awareness to point out in real time when you become anxious and then uh, feeling those emotions of anxiety and then engaging in a really powerful, positive, loving behavior to help manage those feelings. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff going on, um, but there's a lot of reasons why people are suffering. And then also just addiction. Most people are very much addicted, um, which can lead to a lot of restlessness right now. Most of the population needs like a dopamine hit every seven to 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people are struggling with addiction without even realizing it because we're getting these hits from our phone and coffee and food. Um, and I feel like most people don't realize that's where a lot of their um, restlessness comes from. And the brain tries to make sense of that restlessness and can even create a story around it. Like I'm lonely or, you know, I'm afraid of this or that just to make sense of this feeling within the body. So it can even create movies that aren't even true, scenarios that aren't even real. Dr. Joe Dispenza has some fascinating points he's presented pertaining to the built up emotions the built up stresses and anxieties that just manifest inside of your body, those lead to disease. Those lead yeah. to physical disease. And people, people don't want to believe we're, we're really far behind the ball in terms of things like energetics, vibration frequencies, and what real spirituality is. I think a lot of people just think spirituality is like going to church and like, you know, doing the, the religion mm. item. Um, but Justin, you talk about, alchemizing daily 
Can you give us a real quick rundown of, for the listeners who don't understand exactly what that means or who could use some help? They're just hearing about this for the first time. How can we alchemize our thoughts, our mind, our body on a daily basis? Yeah, I mean, just the, a daily breathwork practice is really powerful, but even things like sitting in the sun, um, putting your feet on the grass, um, that those are just really powerful ways to also alchemize. Intentions are very powerful. Moving our body, working out is a way of alchemizing energy. Uh, dancing, yoga, these are all really great ways. Movement. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, even I would say uh, mantras and affirmations could be really powerful with alchemizing the body. But yeah, it, it's it's about like knowing that we do have the capability to remove a lot of these stuck, stored emotions uh, within the body that could be causing things like cancer and illnesses and, and anxiety as well. And also mind movies of worry or dread, you know, our organs literally create um, emotions. And so um, it's just a part of this experience and learning how to manage those is, is really important. So I, I personally recommend waking up and, you know, getting into a form of a present practice, you know, like whether it's moving your body or breath work or, 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 or getting in the sun or putting your feet on the grass is a wonderful way to start um, managing and, and with your, and alchemizing your emotions and the energy within your body. Fascinating. Um, earlier you talked about breath work and meditation after your training sessions when you were a PT in LA. I've never thought about it, but I'm thinking about it here as we're having this discussion. Wow, that would be... I mean, that would be massive if we're talking about from a physiological standpoint. And obviously that's not the reason, the main root of why you're doing that with your yeah. clients when you were back in LA. That would only exacerbate a lot of positive practices that your body needs to undergo in that post-training period. Um, can we talk briefly about what that would look like? What would a meditation practice look like when you get done with a training session? I'm assuming you would have to do breath work first to get your, uh, to start shifting into a more parasympathetic state so that we can get into the meditate, the med- meditative spot after training. What would that look like for you? What can we take and apply right now? To be honest, it's very, very simple. It's just, I think, picking, you know, a good track, uh, a track that can really bring you into that calm space and then just finding your breath and elongating your breath and, you know, breathing into your belly, feeling it rise, feeling it fall. And it's usually I pick like just a a very simple 10 minute song and have them find that space and focus on their breath. Yeah. And um, do you have an artist? You have an artist you really like? um, Yeah, let me. Let me actually look up real quick. Yeah, I think that could be helpful because I'm I'm assuming most people have never Spotify searched like meditative, 10-minute meditative music. I would be very impressed and happy if they did, though. I mean, one of my favorite artists is Garth Stevenson. Garth Stevenson. He's really, yeah, he's really great. He's got a lot of great tracks that are around like 10 plus minutes. And yeah, like, again, just like, it's a very simple process when it comes down to even after training and so even people that still come through for some PT work, just after a good session, I just have them lay down flat on their back, close their eyes and just elongate their breaths and just listen to the music and, you know, become present. But they're already in such a good state already of presence because the way that I train is about connecting with the body. It's about being present with the body, which is how I always uh, even operated during my own bodybuilding days. It was always about muscle-mind connection, mm-hmm. which is why I was always an advocate of smoking and training at that time. Mm-hmm. 
So, um, yeah, it's about being present and that's the way I've always trained is the way I still train is the way I train my clients. And, and, you know, the, the why on why we train is very, very important because that really sets the tone for how present we are during our sessions. If your why is still to be enough, am I, am I going to be good enough once I have the body? Am I going to be worthy enough once I have the body? Am I going to be loved enough once I have the body? That why is really what pulls us from the present moment while we're training. Mm -hmm. So our why has to train, has to be the love for self to fully connect with our person during this session. And we're doing that not only during the set, but the breaths in between and then so my my clients are already in a powerful meditative state uh during the session so like getting them to drop in onto the floor afterwards um is pretty seemingly fascinating you educate so much justin on the power of stillness we haven't been able to really chat much about that yet but you have one of my all-time favorite quotes and you actually posted on instagram this morning mm -hmm. you have a mind but you are not your mind I want to chat about how are we able to reclaim control over our thoughts. I'm assuming that this translates to stillness. Obviously, the practices we've already talked about are all mm -hmm. variables here as well. No one has control. Our minds are out of control. We need dopamine hits every seven to 10 seconds. It's so bad. You pick up your phone, you unlock it, and your thumb just goes to the tab of your favorite mm -hmm. social media app. How do we reclaim control over our thoughts when it kind of seems like social media companies own us right now? I think just being, again, aware that you have a mind, but you're not your mind. Well, then who are you? And, you know, when you really study that and um, think on that, um, you'll realize that you are pure awareness, that you are consciousness, um, observing the mind, observing your thoughts, feelings and emotions. And that's a very, very profound and powerful shift. Uh, in this experience and that's that that one takes a lot for people to fully understand learn and remember so um that's that's the bread and butter of everything like i you know i teach people i, I mentor people in relationships um you know whether it's rekindling and rebuilding passion relationships or even helping relationships uh, separate with unconditional love to helping people with you know depression anxiety addiction uh people who struggle with suicide you know, I'm able to do all these these different realms of service um, because the fundamental um, truth is you have a mind, but you are not your mind. And teaching people that gives them the awareness and perspective shift and how to see everything in such a, such a through a completely different lens, a loving awareness lens. And so, how do we start really being able to understand this and remember is through mindful practices, deep mindful practices like breath work and meditation. And that's why I created the one uh, transcendental breath work, becoming nothing, becoming nobody. This is also what Joe Dispenza always talks about, becoming nobody, mm -hmm. becoming no one, uh, which is the seat I feel of consciousness, right? Pure awareness. And when we, when we do that enough, we start to remember that we are pure awareness, that we are consciousness having this experience. And then when we're able to do that, we're able to not identify with our experiences. We're able to see the programming within the brain and conditioning within the brain and no longer identify with those programs or conditioning. And then we have the ability as consciousness, as pure living awareness, as infinite source to reprogram this brain through, um, you know, healthy behaviors, through um, conscious practices, uh, essentially retraining the brain to be more present is the, I think the, um, what I, what I mostly focus on. So I have like a daily presence board that's on my wall and I have all my clients do the same thing where I just write it down a bunch of different things that require their presence, their attention, their awareness, and, you know, see what, 
see how many they can do in a day. Like, just have fun with it and retrain your brain to be simply more present and maybe set up some loving boundaries around things like your devices, understand that they are addicting, understand that processed food is addicting. So it's also making behavioral changes in your everyday life. Uh, what you consume, conscious consumerism is a big part of my my teachings and my practices is understanding that everything is energy and vibration and what we consume is very powerful. So, you know, I really pay attention to the food I eat, to the music I listen to, to what I ingest, what I consume, and I make sure it's a, a high vibration, which will allow me to also be less anxious, less overwhelmed, less stressed, um, less judgmental, and allow me to be, stay in that, that higher frequency, so to speak. And then with mindful practices, present practices like grounding, sunbathing, yoga, swimming, dancing, cooking, um, meditation, breath work, cold therapy, hot therapy, um, it will allow you to retrain your brain. And then also, um, you know, when your brain has a program of unworthiness, when it, when it shoots out a thought of I'm not enough, you as pure awareness will have the awareness to not get pulled into this mind movie and along, you know, along for the ride, so to speak. And you can, you can just acknowledge it and give it your love, give it your presence and even maybe re, re, um, redirect it or not redirect it. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not redirect it, but change it, you know, recorrect it, I would say. So if I had a word to have intrusive thought, like, hey, man, like, you're awkward and nobody likes you, right? I can recognize as conscious, like, oh, what an interesting thought my brain just had. It's not who I am. It's just a thought my brain just had. So that's, that's really kind of cool as opposed to thinking you are that thought. Most people, when they have that thought of like, oh, I'm so weird, I'm so, and they're saying it even in their mind, I, I, and it's not them because they're consciousness. And so that's the, that's why you have a mind, but you are not your mind is so incredibly powerful to understand. So when your mind is having an intrusive thought or an anxious thought, you can just point at it in real time as awareness, like, Oh, there's a thought. And then you can even watch your, your person, your sentient being, maybe lean into a behavior to cope with that thought or avoid that thought or whatever that may be, uh, whatever it may be wanting to do. And then you can then intervene and be like, hey, and speak to your person. Be like, hey, is that behavior good for you? Like, hey, like, you know, like you're getting pulled into your mind movie right now. Like, can we do something else, you know? Because you can really guide your person to make better behaviors as opposed to just maybe grabbing the phone and mindlessly scrolling when it becomes anxious. Uh, and uh, that's yeah, what so I do. You're, yeah, you're creating dialogue um, with your person because you're also the person, right? You're the person, you're the higher self, you're the conscious self. So you'll realize you can kind of play and, 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 and experience these multiple selves. And you can, you can also be the higher self holding space for the human self and have wonderful dialogue between the two. Um, you can see it as the parent and the child, if you want, um, which can be really great, you know? And I mean, I have this wonderful dialogue with my person throughout the day, you know, he, he's still resistant to sometimes breath work and meditation. And I can ask him like, Hey, let's, let's get up and do our breath work and meditation. I can speak to him and I'd be like, I don't want to. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, well, well, what do you want to do then? You know, I can actually talk to him. He's like, ah, oh, you know, I'd rather go for a walk. And going, yeah. I'm like, well, that's also great. Let's go ahead and do that. And so we can have dialogue. But if he wants to just get on his phone or if he reaches for his phone, I can be like, hey, hey, like, that's no good. You know, that's yep. what's going to do to you. We've, you've done that before and it makes you anxious and it really sets the tone for the day. So put the phone down. Let's go do our breath work. And then he's like, all right, cool. So you and, and your person, your your person... I kind of call it an avatar. Yeah, like I'm like too. the person in the avatar. Uh, mm -hmm. That's like my internal dialogue. 
is like my avatar. And then like, I'm the human body for it. Right. So you guys have extensive dialogue back and forth because you have that level of connection that you found with it. So can I ask you, Justin, what's the purpose of the higher self? the one we connect to in the more intense plant medicine ceremonies, or maybe we're able to connect to it in a very deep meditative meditative practice. Mm -hmm. What does our higher self's purpose do on a daily? I think to be of service, to really help and guide us, you know, as this human experience. As so we're going it's, it's our guide. It's our navigator. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, I think it's just loving awareness that we can look to when we need guidance and, they they can they can definitely help along the way, especially if we're present enough to hear their their um their kindness, their love. Yeah, I think most of the time it's hard to hear um, the helping higher self in many ways as the person because our mind is a bit too loud, it's a bit too negative. We're usually the ego's the ego self's quite loud. So yeah, it's um reconnecting with that that higher part of ourselves and connecting to that yeah is our mind negative you feel like due to protect our ego or is it just what's whatever society the chaos going on in society there's kind of fear mongering that you feel like sort of happens all over the place there's constant comparison on social media do you feel like that's kind of what drives our mind into these more negative states that we need to be conscious of practicing pulling out of those? Yeah, it's all programming conditioning and the way we were raised. Um, you know, a lot of uh, the two biggest things that people come to me with is definitely the mind movies of unworthiness and also anxiety of the future. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, there's, I think there's three major components of why most people struggle with unworthiness. And one of them is, um, you know, our parents unconsciously, <clears throat> our parents unconsciously without realizing it and whether they're good or bad parents, they kind of raise us to be socially acceptable and the way they do this is through punishing or rewarding us based off of our performance. Mm. And the way they come up with this idea of what's socially acceptable is by society and what they deem as socially successful or acceptable. Um, and so as children, though, we don't understand this on any level and we're being judged the entire time, actually. And when we do get punished, when we, when we are getting reprimanded, we see it as unworthy of I'm not enough, I'm not, I'm not lovable. Uh, also parents that are just like trying to just even create a living for kids and having to work these crazy hours and are never home or available. A lot of children aren't able to perceive that. And they just see, you know, a father who say he's not present because he's working 14 hour days and, you know, he's so stressed when he comes home, he doesn't have the capacity to hold space or be affectionate. A, a child also picks up as like, oh, I must not be lovable for my dad. My dad must not love me or my mother must not love me. So that story is also created just from parents having to do so much and not having the capacity to actually come home and, and, and be with their family after, you know, working so many hours. And, you know, the only thing they can do to survive is kind of turn off by like whether watching a show or having a drink. And um, so this is where a lot of it starts to happen. And then the schools also reinforce this with pass or fail, the whole grading system. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, again, let judgment on, on performance. And, um, you know, kids are get, are you know, getting good grades, not because they love the curriculum, but mm. so they get praised by their peers, their teachers, their friends, so their, their parents will be proud of them. And unfortunately, a lot of kids that don't do well, they get grounded, they get an F for failure. Um, they get, you know, labeled all these types of things. 
So it's reinforced in school and then in the dogmatic religions, the heaven or hell, you know, based off your performance, you'll get into heaven or if you're not doing well, you're going to hell. So this, this judgment is, is, has been happening for a very long time. And also kids who are bullied in school, this creates a lot of unworthiness. Again, like if kids can't, you know, if they're comparing themselves consistently of what other kids have as well. Um, yeah. And then also parents, if they don't have the awareness of how they're interacting with each other in front of their kids can also reinforce this as well. So there's a lot of factors why the brain takes on this behavior, uh, this story, this, this uh, program of I am not enough, I am unworthy. And what happens is most people are consistently um, seeking through the external uh, ways to become enough or become worthy. That's why they try to have the hot body or get the car, get the house, get the job, all these types of things. But every time they actually obtain these things, they get in great shape or they make all the money or they have the great job, they become the lawyer, doctor, or what have you. <clears throat> um, they still feel empty and unworthy because it's a program in the mind. And so it's understanding that it's a program. It's a, it's a story and none of it's actually true. It never was true. It's just a program. This is, I've, I've, I've just, I've never thought about it like this, but yeah, your brain, your brain's just a computer. It's fascinating. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been less speechless on the podcast before. Um, I say this thing and you just took it to a whole new level. I, I say this thing that, well, the organization of our life from the time we're born to the time we're adults is like so set up for us to just be these carbon copies, like like one after another, the same thing. You don't really think outside the box. You got I mean, I I'm from a very small town in Ohio. And I mean <laughs> I was chastised in school by my guidance counselors, by my professors for simply having ideas and punished. And, you know, my parents would tell me things or, I mean, my parents still think this podcast is stupid and we're like 4 million views in. <laughs> they still think that it's a stupid thing to be doing. And like every, we're, we're just so programmed to like be sad and, and to not, actually chase our passions and to not actually find fulfillment and to not actually look for what comes next. And I, Justin, I just shared this story the other day. I've never shared on the podcast. I shared it with a friend, same conversation I was talking about earlier. I was seven or eight years old, Justin, I was in church and we were singing a song and I distinctly is one of my earliest memories as a human. I was looking around and I was like, all of these people look washed they're just saying words. They're just like looking up at this, at the stage, like saying words. There's no emotion. It looks so forced. It's just like, we're supposed to be there because it's the right thing to do. And the first ever tough conversation I had with my parents, Justin was in my life was with my parents. I told them, I don't, I feel weird at church. I don't feel, I don't feel good there. I, I, it doesn't give me what you guys are experiencing here. And of course I was chastised for that. I was put down for that. We tried every church in town and I hated them all. And, if, you know, I just had to deal with it. You, you, you have my mind spinning about childhood items now. And I think everyone who's listening to this likely is as well. Um, because we, 
it's clearly programmed from, I mean, do you feel like it's like programmed from the top down for us to just not seek any sort of, uh, I really, I, it's such a vague word, but spirituality, emotional connection to the earth, emotional connection to our higher selves. It just yeah. seems like we're so set up against it. Yeah. I mean, you can get into that whole thing, you know, and you can have your your thoughts on it for sure. But I, I do believe there's a system, right? There's a system. And that system's supposed to keep you in the state of fear, of lack. Um, and I think we've been as a culture in this space, in this space of fear and lack for for a very long time, for a very, very long time since we remember. Um, and I think that's that's what is so beautiful these last few years. I think a lot of people are starting to kind of wake up from that space um, through these practices, through these awareness shifts, through getting present and the rediscovering who they are uh, on a powerful level and, and, and breaking free of the mind. Um, yeah. Breaking free of this enslavement. Yeah. You made a post on that recently. Um, there's a conscious shift. People are awakening. Mm -hmm. It's so fascinating that you say that. Um, I've been walking around going through this phase that I told you about before I got on the podcast, and I feel like I'm seeing other people have this shift in energy as well mm -hmm. to like, wait, this noise is not right. Mm -hmm. Like that's everyone's over there and like, it's actually really beautiful and cool over here. Right. Mm -hmm. What do you, what do you think's going on? Do you think COVID really, you think COVID really sent people in this direction of like, nah, you know what? Actually like, fuck this. Like, this isn't yeah. right. This is fucked up. What, what do you think yeah, it is? I, I think what COVID did for a lot of people in, in some regards was create a level of stillness in people that they've never been into before. I think, you know, when everything shut down, uh, a lot of people were starting to spend time with each other in a really beautiful way. And they were more present in that space. I think also meditation and things like breath work and stillness have, have really blown up these last three years. You have great people like Eckhart Tolle, Joe Dispenza, uh, Michael Singer, um, just a lot of great people who have been around for a while, but they really um, have expanded in so many ways. And I think that's a big part of this, this, this remembering, so to speak, this awakening, so to speak. And um, it's really quite beautiful. And I think that's what we're seeing across the world right now is this, this shift in consciousness, this understanding of who we are on a fundamental level, that we are loving awareness, having a beautiful human experience. Mm -hmm. And we aren't our limitations and we aren't these stories that we've been programmed and, and or have created ourselves. And that takes time to fully awake from this mind movie of fear and lack and unworthiness. Uh, it takes time to shift the paradigm from eating all these processed foods or listening to this garbage music or watching these garbage TV shows or what have you. And it takes time to um, understand that a lot of these companies do not have our best interests and and start looking into things thoroughly and thinking for ourselves and and that takes a lot of time but i think we're in a really great space right now i know it's hard to see because we're not really shown um a lot of this good stuff that's happening on the news we're only shown you know obviously the low vibrational things but um i've seen firsthand i mean there's meditations being talked about more than ever breath works being talked about more than ever you know, grounding, cold therapy is being talked about more than ever. Sun gazing is being talked about more than ever. Just mindfulness practices. So 
there is a powerful, powerful shift happening um, within the planet, and it's really exciting. Like I'm, I'm really pumped about um, a lot of things. A lot of stuff has to come down. A lot of things have to um, shift, and that can be scary, right? And that really hits the anxious button for a lot of people because there's so much unknown and uncertainty, and that can be overwhelming for a lot of people. All this change. And, um, but I think that's, what's part of it, right? This, this powerful change is going to create a lot of discomfort, but uh, on the other side of discomfort is, uh, is usually a lot of beauty. You've talked three times now about your diet. I want to dive in here a little bit, but first I want to piggyback on something you said. Um, the music, the TV shows, the crap that we're being fed, not, not, not just speaking from a food perspective, yeah. Our diet is everything that gets consumed by us in a day, right? The best thing, hands down, the best thing that I've done for myself is I I used to love rap music. Whatever they are making now is absolutely terrible. Like that is low vibrational stuff. And that is trash, that's garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, eliminating that, huge um i play lo-fi music all day um like when i'm working when i'm like when i have my headphones on i'll play lo-fi music all day at the gym i listen to podcasts i've essentially cut out like music with lyrics Mm, same because man like 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 just consumerism you listen to country sad love the twang and the tune sad you listen to rap they're either talking about fucking or getting fucked or killing somebody what mm. like what in the world mm. or drugs like what mm. in the world dude um yeah. it's but people don't people don't realize how much that's affecting them and it's constantly being reinforced in your head and then you feel less than because you don't participate in cocaine you don't participate in gang banging you're not having an active sex life and this dude's talking about how he fucked eight chicks in the last week like no he didn't by the way but like it we we have this crap shoved down our throats. The other side of this is TV. Um, that I mean, did you give you give Netflix a quick scroll? And I mean, it's trash. It's trash. Just yeah. it's literal low vibrational stuff being tossed everywhere. Man, if we just replace it with podcasts, uplifting music, maybe some meditative music like you're discussing, people don't realize how massive of a shift that'll be. And there's still things I'm very imperfect at. Like tonight, for example, I'm going out with the guys and we're going to grab a couple cocktails. Like, yeah, I probably shouldn't be drinking alcohol. That's a low vibrational thing, right? Mm -hmm, This is mm -hmm. a splurge. This is a fun thing that I do. I'm sure you have some things as well. Maybe not, honestly. You're like, you're kind of a savant with all of this. But this drives me into the question of, let's chat about your food diet. I love that you mentioned being conscious about the vibrational frequencies you are literally consuming for energy as well. Mm. Um, I haven't announced this anywhere. I haven't said it anywhere. I'm, I'm taking a big step back from bodybuilding. I can't handle a lot of the crap anymore. This podcast isn't for that. I've gone to a, a meat and fruit diet because that's what I like eating. I like eating meats. I like eating fruit. I have five meals a day of meat and fruit. Justin, I feel incredible. I feel That's absolutely good. incredible. Can you talk about your diet a little bit? Yeah, I mean, it could, they, everything kind of falls into the same category, I would say, as conscious consumerism. So for me, conscious consumerism is everything. 
it's it's really everything because it, it's in every avenue so food whether you're eating meat fruit vegetables what have you whatever it is that you're eating you just want to make sure where is it being sourced from mm-hmm. and so for me um what are the intentions that are going into that food so if you are going to eat meat fine but make sure you're getting it from i would say a regenerative farm where the farmers are being mindful of the way the animals looked after to the land um to all the little aspects that go into making that farm regenerative and sustainable in a really loving healthy mindful way so since everything is energy this is the most important thing uh, to me is understanding this and it makes the most sense uh, since everything is energy so for me it's about you know always accessing my food um whatever type of food it is from a mindful loving space and that's the intentions because if somebody's going to do a regenerative farm there's a lot of mindfulness and a lot of love going into it as opposed to a commercial farm or you know like one of these factory farms where these animals aren't being treated well the earth's not being treated well they're being fed processed food and being injected themselves there's a lot of um low vibration going into these animals a lot of suffering that goes into these animals, a lot of energy, a lot of low vibrational energy. And then, you know, if you take that and ingest it, you're going to be more anxious. You're going to be more depressed. You're going to be more of a low vibration since everything is energy. So I think just understanding that everything is energy on a fundamental level and realizing like, how are you consuming? Um, how are you dealing in energy on a daily basis? You know, whether that be just your food, again, with the music that comes through, um, basically the companies that you support. And so that's a big thing for me is paying attention to what companies I'm supporting. Are they coming from a loving space, which is service to others, or are they coming from a low vibrational space, which is service to self? Um, most companies are service to self. You know, they, they want to try to make money and at, at all costs and at everybody's expense, and most specifically the earth and animals and people. Uh, so I really pay attention to where I source things from. Like I really don't support anything that comes from China because I'm aware of how they operate. It's a communist country and they have slave labor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and nothing's regulated. And there's other countries like that as well that I choose not to, to buy or purchase anything from or support. So I make sure like, even with my furniture, my furniture, I don't go through places like Ikea. I'm not going through these these big places. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I reach out on um, Etsy and find local builders and almost all of my stuff in my house is custom made by local builders or loving intentions went to it, they're made ethically, and that creates a really a real actual feng shui in your house, real energetic pool in your house. So I have it through my food, my furniture, the same thing with my clothes. I pay attention to the material. I, I don't wear anything that has like plastic or polyester if possible, mostly just organic linen or cotton. Because again, it's a higher frequency, higher vibration. Uh, my music is is loving music, mindful, conscious music. I don't have Netflix, Hulu, or Disney, or any of those type of things. The only app I have is the Gaia app, which is conscious, um, conscious television. So yeah, I like I really made it a point about engaging and and only things that are at, at a higher vibration. And you know, like it takes time to get there, and it takes awareness to get there. And I'm sure I'm still lacking awareness in certain things, mm-hmm. uh, and probably many things. Um, but that's what's so great about practicing present presence is that I can become more aware, more mindful of these things and then make those powerful changes uh, each and every day. So that's pretty much my homework for the most part on a daily basis is doing my mindful practices so I can be simply aware so that I can make powerful behavioral changes and have powerful perspective shifts. Justin, you are my 
2023 version of what a monk would look like. <laughs> <laughs> you, I have a long way to go still. I mean, we all do. We, we have a long. We have a long there, there, mm. There's weaknesses that we all have. There's places that we can all be better. I mean, on the spectrum, you were like really. You're. I'm very impressed. This is very, very impressive stuff. Well, you know, I, I do well on the aspect of being in the real world still. I mean, that's, I think, the most challenging part is that we don't really have the consistent access to nature. I think a lot of us are still working within the system. Um, I'm fortunate enough to, you know, I don't. I don't work within the system. I've been working for myself for a long time now, 14 years. And um, so I'm, I'm very much out of the system. I come up with my own schedule. You know, I'm very much aligned with a lot of the things I do. But like, you know, simple things like the phone can still definitely, you know, grab my attention and distract me in many ways and, and hinder my focus ability. Um, you know, simple things like that. So I do think you have think a practice, Justin, sorry to cut you off. Do, do you have and, a practice with your phone? I do blocks. If I'm going on uh, TikTok or Instagram, I'll do a five or a 10 minute block timer. And when the timer goes off, I have to leave the app and I go do something else. Um, Smart. Do you have anything that you do to help really stay in control of that time? Yeah, I mean, I started implementing, I'm always really good in the morning. The morning, I don't have an issue at all with my phone. Like my mornings are, are pretty much like, just set in stone now as, as, as powerful behaviors, good, clean, powerful behaviors. So I don't fuck with my phone for the first, I would say two, almost even three hours, like really working from it. Yeah. So I, but I also wake up early. So my first, my first part of the day is really getting into my breath work and meditation. My breath work and meditation is first thing I jump into. After that, it's, it's usually some movement, whether it's yoga or some type of intense cardio, followed by some cold plunge, cold therapy, walk with the dogs, you know, get into some gratitude, send some people some love, and then finally I'll 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 get on my phone to do a little bit of work. I um, love how you start. say send some people some love. I I yeah. send a couple videos every day nice. to people expressing my appreciation for them. Um, That's good practice. It feels good, huh? I never yeah, get one myself. <laughs> <laughs> No, I do. I do. I do. I've got a couple, but I definitely sit way more. That's okay. That's all right. That That's my communication style is I get a video, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, th it is okay, you know, because I think a lot of times people are still caught in their mind movies that have the ability to remember to send love. I think it's hard, you know, it's hard to send love when you're still struggling with the love of self. Oh. And, and, and the way that we can really help people break that cycle or that conditioning is by sending love like you're doing each and every day unconditionally without without needing anything in return right or wanting anything in return and uh, that's really powerful if you're able to do that for multiple people each and every day authentically without needing a response even unconditionally send that love um, that's how we really make shifts in this space and and make change in this world um nighttime was a little bit more challenging with my phone um, you know, at the time I, I, I live by myself and I'm not dating anyone right now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there are many evenings where I can kind of be kind of chilling by myself. And so the way that I would connect in the evenings, if, if I wasn't seeing that person in person would be through the device. Mm -hmm. And like, I wasn't going on my phone because I struggle with anxiety or, or, um, thoughts of unworthiness. You know, I wasn't really using it as an escapism. I was more so using it as to connect, but I'm a very much aware that the phone and the way that it's created is to 
really um, entrance you and and it's not really great for your brain being on it very much and it's not great getting these dopamine hits from it. Um, so I'm, I'm hyper aware of what the phone in a negative way can really do even if I'm using it to connect. So I created some loving boundaries with it, like, you know, removing all social media at 7 p.m. on. And then, you know, outside of the weekend, I'm I'm really kind of putting my phone in the wall. It's, you know, it's gone for me from 8 p.m. on. I mean, I'm in bed by 9, 9.30 normally. But yeah, like kind of creating boundaries on that and then using those two hours typically from like 7 to 9.30 to really simply be and to be in my body, to to... If I am restless, to be with that restlessness, to be with my dogs, to go on a walk and to simply be present, you know, and, and, and I'm not trying to fill my evening even with things to, to do. It's just to kind of simply be. And I mean, that's very hard for a lot of people to just kind of sit, mm-hmm. just truly sit, especially if they do struggle with um, the intrusive thoughts, if they do struggle with the depression, anxiety and restlessness. But that's what's so beautiful if you, uh, back to the beginning part of our conversation, if you have the awareness that you are not these things, that these are just things that your body and mind have um, have become conditioned to think and feel, you, in this space of stillness, you can start processing these feelings, these emotions in a healthy way, learning how to sit with it and release it and, and become more present so it's also a really great opportunity even though it's hard but it's just i think having the awareness to actually even simply do that i think most people are are so completely lost in the the um the routine of always being stimulated whether it be through a, a tv a phone a food a friend uh what have you um most people are you know are just never taking a moment to actually just sit and just simply be so it's very it's a very new concept still for a lot of people. I think after this podcast, Justin, the the, the amount of people that it'll reach that there's going to be a large uh, shift in people really being mindful of their stillness. And I appreciate all of the nuggets you've shared to this far. I have one more question for you because it's something that I just came across the other day. I went down a minor rabbit hole. The calcification of the pineal gland via fluoride. It's in our water, toothpaste, things like that. There's a lot of people saying a lot of things about the pineal gland. Are you familiar mm. with this? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that could definitely cause calcification. Yeah. Um, What's you know, the pineal like gland do for us? I thought um, I thought that was a connection to higher self or one of our connections yeah. to higher self. Yeah, it's your third eye. Um, it's it's something very important uh, for sure. It connects you to spirit. Mm-hmm. I, I would say. And in and, and keeping that um, healthy, you know, being, paying attention to how much you're on your phone, um, lack of sunlight is a, is a part of it as well. Fluoride, obviously, poor nutrition can all cause calcification on the pineal gland. Mm-hmm. So, um, and this can cause, you know, insomnia, a lot of times like headaches and poor memory. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, so I think just having a good diet, being intelligent about, you know, being on your phone, um, getting out and, you know, sun gazing or eye gazing uh, can be really helpful with this process. Uh, eating clean food, meditation mm-hmm. um, could be a really great way to, to, to clean your pineal gland and restore it in a healthy way. Um, I believe it is a, a wonderful direct source to spirit. 
Mm-hmm. Um, for me, a lot of times that's what I, I can feel being activated, so to speak, during my meditations. Mm. Uh, a lot of times also when I do plant medicine is what, what I definitely feel gets activated when I do things like mushrooms and DMT. Um, so yeah, I think it's a, a very important thing to pay attention to. And I think there are a lot of people that are walking around with a, a calcified pineal gland, uh, just due to the way they live their lives and stuff like that. So yeah, but I mean, you can definitely do some really great things like being mindful of your phone, your food and, uh, get into some sunlight and cause it also messes with, it also controls, I think a big part of like your, um, your circadian clock rhythms and like mm. the way that you sleep and stuff like that. I think it plays a big role in that. I believe in like, um, the melatonin, right? Mm-hmm. It does. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of important things. I think also even with like balance, um, so with your gait. That, that, that. that makes sense. Very interesting. That would make sense that it pertains to a lot of neural factors. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. Justin, I think you've incited a lot of people with a lot of value here today. Um, There's going to be people that want to reach out to you that want to maybe thank you or that want to inquire about how you can help them. Where can they find you? What's the best route for them to reach out? Um, My Instagram is a really great way to find me, Justin D. Lovato. Um, Also, um, email team at nirvanamindbody.com is another great way to contact me. Uh, yeah, and just reach out, book a consultation. What I do mostly is just mentoring. And I, again, mentoring on teaching people or helping people remember they have a mind, but they aren't fine. And we kind of get into that in, in all different ways and break free of these um, mental mind movies that aren't allowing us to fully be at peace and thrive. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun work that I get to do and beautiful conversations and um yeah i think it's the best way to find me the website nirvanamindandbody.com or nirvanamindbody.com you can find us there as well so there's a few different places you can definitely contact me yeah it's i want to thank you for taking out time i know you're you're incredibly busy and i knew that this conversation could be very helpful but speaking for myself justin you gave me a lot to think about i took so many notes (laughs) in this thing of um you taught me a lot today so value was yeah. very much so added and I appreciate that a ton, man. Thank you. Well, you know, I'll leave everyone with this. Like the best thing to really start getting into this work is just start practicing your presence. Presence is the key to the universe. And so get into your breath work, get into your meditations, get into being still with nature, get out in nature, put your feet on the grass, get into the sun, start truly becoming present in the little things that you do. And you know, whether it is eating your food, drinking your coffee, even going to the bathroom, if you're a person who's on their phone while they're in the bathroom, on their phone when they're eating, on their on their walks and stuff like that. Just try to take a moment and really simply be. And at first it will be tough because your brain is addicted to these quick hits and um, it's going to feel restless. It's going to feel a little bit anxious, so to speak. Um, but if you're aware of this, then you can kind of lean into it and, um, and start getting into these better practices and kind of breaking free. And, and also like it's, I think it's important um, that people understand that a lot of times when, when removing a lot of these stimulations, these simulated stimulations, uh, you will have a withdrawal. And that's what a lot of people are feeling when they set their phone down, when, they, when they're when like, oh, you know what, I'm going to clean up my food. I'm going to be off my phone more. I'm going to watch a lot, lot less TV. I'm going to stop distracting myself with all these things. Um, you're going to feel that, that sense of restlessness that is literally withdrawal. And I think if you have that awareness that you're going through a withdrawal, 
that can be really helpful in itself. Because if you do not have the awareness that you're possibly restless and going through withdrawal, you might create a story or your brain might create a story and, and try to make sense of why you don't feel good right now. Why do you feel? And it might say that you're anxious or it might, you know, have a thought of unworthiness and you might get pulled into that space when it's simply uh, withdraw from getting a dopamine hit every seven to 10 seconds. And that's really important. Uh, also, like, you know, if people want help with meditation and breath work, that's one of my big modalities that I do teach. So people can reach out for that. I have some really wonderful, fully guided breath work and meditation programs. It's a lot of fun. They're awesome. You can do them every single day in the comfort of your own home. Um, and I also have a really great anxiety manager, anxiety program, um, that I just released about two months ago. It's a 28 day program with powerful lessons with breath work and meditations that are included that way you can really start to kind of grasp um, a lot of the stuff that we kind of talked about today, understanding like the science and function of anxiety and, and, and how it actually works um, and learning how to manage it. Oh man, really, I would love really. to have access to those things. I might be in your Instagram DMs. Oh, man. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll set, I'll set you up specifically with a cool promo code and everybody goes through you. They can get 25% off all programs. Let's do it. I would love yeah, that. I'll set that up. Yeah. yeah, yeah we'll I check the you. show notes for that. You guys, I definitely appreciate that offer to the Grower Die uh, podcast fan club. So you guys heard the man, uh, go check that out. Take advantage of this. Justin, thank you so, so much for coming on and all of you guys listening make sure to share us with your friends leave us a five-star rating review apple spotify or a thumbs up on youtube if you love us justin we'll see you guys next time peace have a good day